You're listening to The Mumbrella Cast. The Mumbrella Cast. Welcome to this week's Mumbrella Cast special. I'm Calm Jaspin. For this week's episode, I chatted to Thinkerbell's founder and chief thinker, Adam Ferrier, and CEO Margie Reid after the agency's recent wins at the 2021 Mumbrella Awards, in which the four-year-old independent took home the creative, full-service and PR agency of the year gongs. Over the course of our conversation, Margie and Adam spoke about the friends with benefits nature of Thinkerbell's relationship with PwC, the power of earned media, the strategy behind upscaling at such pace and more. Here's the interview now. Today on the Mumbrella Cast, we welcome Thinkerbell's CEO, uh, Margie Reid, and co-founder, Adam Ferrier. Um, start off by congratulating you on being Mumbrella's creative, full-service, and PR agencies of the year, as well as getting a highly commended in the Indie of the Year category. Welcome. Thank Hi, you. Nice. Uh, what, a, what an intro, hey? I guess we'll start off with... Uh, that um, that hat trick of awards that you picked up at Australia's most coveted uh, industry awards ceremony, winning in those three categories. Uh, how do you push on from here and I guess go to the next level? <laughs> so, uh, I look. First of all, I, we were astounded to win in all three categories. I think the year before at the Mumbrella Awards, we got highly commended in all of those three categories. And that annoyed the bejesus out of us because we were clearly Australia's second best agency. And so to win in those three categories felt felt fantastic, but it also felt like a great vindication of um, the hard work that everybody within the agency has done. To, to um, a creative agency and a PR agency and a media agency all operate at really different rhythms and we have very quite different skill sets. So to chuck them all in together and stir the pot and mix them all up together um, creates lots of internal tensions and there's lots of kind of things you need to get right. There's lots of management issues and product issues and so forth that come with trying to do all of that. And so uh, although they're just awards and although our industry awards agencies nonstop, there's thousands of them, we particularly feel very, very proud to win to win those three because it's testimony to us having an individual unique model, brilliant um, and brilliant, uh, I was going to say managerial skills, but it's the wrong word, just a brilliant, just, just really good way of operating the agency from everybody internally. And um, and we, we also wonder if it's the first time in Australia that anybody's won those three individual awards um, or indeed anywhere else because we th- we're kind of insanely proud of the achievement basically. And I think to build on that, to, to do it off the back of the year we had and to see the entire agency come together um, in, you know, in such adverse circumstances, not drop the ball on creativity or our product or, you know, our brand was something that we, we truly celebrate. So it was a, a pretty momentous moment for us in our short four-year existence. And do you think that, um, as you mentioned there, do you think it is just down to maybe finding the right recipe or do you think it does potentially suggest a bit of a return for that full service model? I'd say it's a bit of both. It's a contribution of, you know, damn hard work, great and right people um, and then a change in the market and, and what clients and people need. And so, yeah, and a couple... 
there's a bit of strategic intent there as well. Like when we started the agency, we wanted it didn't make sense to just be a creative or a media agency. And if it, and so we wanted both. And also we wanted ideas that build their own momentum to be at the heart of a business, which is what earned ideas are all about. So there was a strategic intent there on our behalf to make to make it happen. Uh, then we've got nice systems and processes and all that kind of stuff. But I think, you know, I think still we live in a time where the all the holding companies that own most of the industry, they're financially rewarded for, for separating these um, these disciplines that obviously should be back together. So it's a huge opportunity in the market. And there's not a, you know, everybody who's bringing creative and media back together are independent. And, uh, there's, you know, there's obvious reasons for that. And um, Margie, do you think that there is potentially at Thinkabella, do you split the the priority evenly between those three core offerings? I know I read um, this morning in another publication that I think you were, um, 50% of your clients have at least two of those three um, key offerings. Our intent is absolutely to, to solve problems looking holistically at that challenge. So whether that's across earned, owned, shared or paid media. So how we solve that creatively um, and then how the means of it gets you know, distributed is absolutely even. Um, how a client comes in really depends about whether they're coming in for a project on a brand purpose. It could be a creative intent through to earned or media. So at least 50% use two of our services. Um, continuing to grow that will be an absolute focus for us. And um, looking at, I guess, specifically the PR side of things, I know you've got um, you've got clients that do come come to think about just on a PR basis. What is the, uh, I guess, the value in having clients just solely on that PR contract when you are competing with some for some of the biggest media and creative contracts in the country, which are obviously a little bit more lucrative. It's great. It's a great question yeah. to frame like that. The opportunity for us in the earn space is getting ideas that are worthy of talking about being passed on and so forth. So it's more around the style of creativity that the earned space forces the agency into and gets skilled at rather than the um, financial opportunity of earned in and of itself, if you, if you know what I mean. Yeah, the, other sure. really, the other really cool thing about the earned space is it does away with so much bullshit. It, it, it's much faster and more efficient and fast twitch. And so the agency learns creativity like that. Um, and so, so we get skilled, we get more skilled at that type of thing. Um, but you know, you need to, and then the end, sorry, then the third thing about earned is it only works if you've got a really strong strategic platform. And so again, it's really good discipline to understand, get a really strong creative platform and then unleash it through, um, earned and shared, uh, medium and buy media, obviously when you need to. It's interesting you say that because uh, from my perspective, being relatively new to the industry, sometimes um, when I look at in particular, like some of the work that Thinkabell has produced, I get a little bit um, hung up on the differences between PR work and creative work. Um, what what are your thoughts on PR work potentially encroaching a little bit on, I guess, traditional creative work and how would you um, differentiate the two? It's, to me, it's all to me. It's all the same thing. To be honest, it's just um, 
earned ideas are often uh, better than um, non-earned ideas because they create their own momentum. One of the agencies I really have always really respected is Crispin Porter in uh, the US, and um, and that their their, um, their brief to um, when they're briefing internally is is what's the earned idea at the heart of it, like what's going to get uh, journalists writing about this particular idea, and it's just a nice mindset to have. How how the work gets distributed into the world is less of a concern and if it solves the client's problem you know with creativity at the heart and it's strategically aligned then that's what goes into the world irrespective of if it's earned or paid or um, owned so i think for us it's more about what is the right message going out um, in whatever form it's distributed and um is is there a strategy at all into the client list thinkabel has you know who you pitch for um, and I guess, yeah, uh, how you build out that, that ever-growing client list of yours. Absolutely. We're strategic in who we work with. Um, we, we partner with a variety of clients. We're not um, adverse to, to different sort of sectors and different challenges, um, but we certainly have some criteria of who we'll work with and when and, and what. It's, but it's not, it's not that strategic, though, is it, like, honestly? Like, like we just do, we just do a good. It depends. <laughs> it depends who you're asking. That's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It depends who you're asking. Um, <laughs> but we do just do. We do a good job. We build a brand. We're, we're good at building our own brand, and we acknowledge that as part of what we do. And um, and then, you know, if it, if the door knocks, we can have a conversation and assess if we mutually like each other or not. One of the other parts of you know our growth has also been working with clients in a project basis. Um, you know, as a startup agency and an emerging agency, we had to be open to how we engaged with different brands and different businesses. So um, that's enabled us to grow absolutely. Um, so two weeks ago, we saw the departure of Mike Wilson from Havis, and um, looking back, as I was. Uh, as I was preparing for this, I watched the Mumbrella 360 um, reunion from uh, with you, Adam, uh, a couple of years ago, um, and I know you uh, you cracked a few jokes about both Matt Baxter and Mike both um, taking on global group roles. Um, how how much of that when starting up Thinkabel? How much of that identity from Naked did you plan to bring across? Um. What what personally I took out of Naked was the um, the advantage of having a differentiated and distinctive brand had in the marketplace, and so that's it was kind of like uh, Naked was very good at branding everything, and and that's what we've taken across. We've created our own brand; it's completely our own look and feel, very different business model, very different uh, or functionality. The one thing um, that Naked, I mean, Naked also imploded, didn't it, basically? And because um, it, it, uh, it, it, it wasn't, um, uh, I'm going to say, it wasn't safe enough. And, um, and I think what you need as well is you need to have maturity of delivering a really good product and then wrap that up in a really strong brand. And I think that's what Thinkabel has. So, um, you know, we track our NPS on a, a quarterly basis and it's 53 at the moment. And so, you know, that is, um, 
that kind of ability to not just win business but do good work, maintain good relationships, uh, build our clients' brands um, is, is you know, something that we I feel like um, the partnership we've got at Thinkable has kind of helped, you know, we all played a really strong role in helping and, that happen. And is the plan for Thinkable to always stay fully independent? Obviously, it'd be great to have a crystal ball and see what happens into the future, Callum. But at this stage, we'll remain independent and um, with our you know, partnership as it is with PwC in there. And what does it kind of mean, I guess, uh, having a consultancy like PwC have that minority sh- uh, share? What is the the nature of how they impact your operational business? Well, as friends with benefits, as, as we've described them in the past, um, they are that. They're part of our shareholding. Um, they, they bring advice and, and partnership to our, um, our leadership. But they also bring an element of, of tech partners and a unique element that we probably wouldn't tap into without their depth of business um, knowledge in different sectors. So with Bee Honey, um, Purple Hive initiative that we did, that was you know them helping us connect to some pretty significant tech players in the agri area that we wouldn't have necessarily been able to find through normal channels. And Adam, would you be able to... Tell me, if if possible, how that came that partnership did come about so quickly after the launch. Yeah, sure. We um uh, we were interested in what was happening with the consultancies, um, and um, a friend of ours um, was working at PwC, um, and um, when we started Thinkabell, and uh, I just kind of feel like Margie was there. At the, right at the beginning as well. And Maggie joined, I think, only three months or so after we actually started the business. So, um, but when we first started, we were approached by lots of different people to have a stake in it. Um, and uh, Peter was one of those people who approached us. Um, and we um, thought that would be interesting, not so much for the, uh, just more for the connections and for the uh, for the interesting nature of having a a. a company like PwC having such a small passive investment in the business kind of just felt like it would open up opportunities and make us part of the momentum of that consultancy agency convergence. And, um, you know, it's been fantastic. They've been unreal um, friends to have along the journey without a doubt in all sorts of different ways. So I guess rather than using it as a, as a, I guess, springboard, more just opening that door to, to leave possibilities open for the future. It's kind of like an infrastructure, and like, sorry, like an ecosystem. PwC has got a massive, weird ecosystem of businesses they hang out with that agencies would never get to hang out with, and we got plonked into the middle of that ecosystem whenever we wanted it, and that created really interesting uh, tech products, innovative solutions for clients. We had weird dinner parties, uh, you know, it's just all, all sorts of kind of strange stuff that I don't think most agencies would, would kind of get exposed to. Um, however, um, you know, Thinkabell is primarily a, a 90% independent agency and you do have four partners who are running that agency and so it kind of, uh, it hasn't felt like in any way whatsoever 
hampered with the independence of the agency, the running of the agency day to day. It's it's think one hundred percent in our minds, Thinkabel, and um, mm. you know, so it kind of feels like that's why I call it friends with benefits because it really feels like we've got all the benefits of hanging out with those people, but um, but nor have they um, uh, stolen our soul. Yeah. Um, not, and- not that they do that. <laughs> Was that, yeah. <laughs> so, um, you, I mean, you'd probably be able to tell me who ranked you as this, but I, I read that um, you've been put down as one of the fastest growing agencies outside of the US. Um, wh- was there always a strategy to scale up as quick as possible um, or, and is this where you saw the agency being four years in or has it kind of um, just happened naturally? We had a three-year plan and we hit that pretty quickly. So we, you know, it, was, it was pretty close and pretty accurate. So it was um, great planning from the beginning um, and that it was a collective group of us doing that. Um, obviously, scaling up definitely was enabling us to do what we wanted to do across the, the different areas and the different remit of our capabilities. Um, so we're definitely happy with where it's going and, and scale has allowed us um, that growth, but um, we're certainly not stopping it was here. Ad, it was Ad Week was the publication in the US um, that ranked us, um, yeah, uh, yeah, whatever it was. Um, and it has grown really quickly, but the most important, the most impressive thing about the growth, the growth of the agency is the NPS of fifty three. Like that's that balancing growth with satisfaction is what's really good, I think. And so we could actually have grown much quicker, but I don't think our um, NPS would be anywhere near it is where it is. And for those that don't um, know what NPS, would you be able to expand a little bit on what that is? Uh, so it's, it stands for Net Promoter Score, and it's just a, a way of measuring um, satisfaction, if you like, with your client base or customer base or, yeah. or whatever it is. It's a pretty well-known in this figure across lots of different categories. Yeah. Um, and is there any um, landmark moments that you would be able to, when you think back on the its short history so far, that you'd, you'd highlight? Uh, Margie coming on board uh, is is a is a, was a game changer. So you had you had three blokes who were good at their craft skills but didn't have a clue on how to run an agency. Mm-hmm. Um, the success of Sydney and uh, so an IAG um, uh, taking a Taking a punt on our, on our earned capability uh, would be another thing. Then uh, Jamie and Katie uh, and Paul. So, so the way the Sydney office has taken off has been absolutely bloody amazing. Um, and they're doing some really cool pieces of work, um, you know, for, for various clients. It's been fun. For me, there's so many moments. It's it's hard to put my finger on one of them. I think every time, um, you know, as a startup agency in those early days, clients believed in us as we were growing and we were in a little tiny office in Hardware Lane that didn't have any infrastructure and they backed us knowing that we still wouldn't let them down. I, I think I look back to those moments and they were pretty significant. Um, you know, all each win has been great, but knowing that, as we've done that, we've been bringing in brilliant people to be able to run it. And, and as Adam talks about the NPS, 
it's a measure of are we living our brand and are our people happy and able to do it and our clients are receiving that. So I think each of those moments are just so significant. So I think we, we don't take any of those littler moments for granted either. Yeah, and um, how I, I, you, you've obviously won, won all these awards in the context of uh, being an agency uh, with its headquarters in Melbourne. We're now speaking within uh, six lockdown six in Melbourne. Um, how has that last year been for the agency and what have been some of the difficulties and also some of the things you've been doing to keep up staff's, uh, the staff engagement? There's no doubt that it's tested everyone in, in any capacity, in any form, to different degrees, um, you know, directly or indirectly. So I think we're really mindful of that. Um, we obviously create an environment where people can look after their mental health first as well as their physical health. Um, but also understanding that we're a connected group of people. We might all be in our own, you know, houses, but that doesn't mean we're not a, a team. And I think, you know, doing pitches through Zoom is tough. There's no doubt about it, especially bringing teams together to co-create ideas. Um, but seeing that happen and, and winning and losing some of them, no matter what, there's still amazing work that goes into it. So, for us, it really is about putting the infrastructure around to make sure we've got time away from our desks. Uh, we're doing a snap log off day, so rather than a snap lockdown, it's a, a day to snap down the laptop and get out and get away from work for a day. So um, giving people additional time away, I think at the moment it's it's a pretty ruling there's stage. Lots of little, there's lots of initiatives we're doing, whether it be communal dinner parties or getting in guest speakers or having little um, walking clubs, whether they be virtual or or otherwise. Um, there's lots of – we're doing a lot – we're doing as much as we can uh, to make sure that we are a cohesive um, – Our pay, pay it forward baking group of getting my thinker belly where you bake for someone and send it across town. So um, Yeah, lots of little things. <laughs> lots of little things. And uh, – I think um, a little change of direction on this one. When I first uh, started engaging with um, your agency, I was a little confused by the the titles, um, which are a little different at um, Thinkerpost. You've got the Thinkers and the Tinkers. Um, Would you you be able to, I guess, explain a little bit behind this and how you split them in the company? Um, What do you have to do to qualify to be either and what... I guess if you, I know they're not in your titles, but what um, you would put yourselves down as? They're, they're in my title. I'm the chief thinker, um, and um, and it's really important if you're and if you self if you identify as a thinker or a tinker after hearing this, please kind of uh, give us a bell. Um, but um, when we started the agency again, we wanted to practice being a brand as well as kind of advising our clients on being a brand. So we developed a proposition, measured magic which is marketing sciences meets hardcore creativity and then measured magic comes to life by having the rituals of the agency. So we have um, measured Monday to start off the week. We have magic hour to end the week. Um, and then, you know, we've got our little logo, which is the, the thinker with Tinkerbell's wings on it. All of this is around measured magic. Probably the, the biggest way it comes to life internally is by only having thinkers and tinkers. And the, the reason why we do that is thinkers are strategy suity type people, tinkers are creative productiony type people, 
And we've done, we've done that for a number of reasons, but mainly to kill internal silos uh, that exist within agencies and let people get rid of their internal hang-ups from wherever they've kind of come from to have a more kind of lateral mindset. And so we pair a thinker and a tinker on every account. So every account is led by a thinker and a tinker. And because you've got people solving the, solving the problem, leading the account, then we get it wrong less and we save time, save head hours and all that kind of stuff with our with our clients. So, so, so just the nomenclature of having thinkers and tinkers has allowed us to live a different operating model and experience for our clients that builds on the Thinkerbell brand. So they sound like slightly weird titles, but they belie um, a, a pretty good way, a pretty good way of helping us deliver on a different experience for our clients. And Margie, what would you, are you a thinker or a tinker? I'm more of a thinker, but I like to flex my muscles in Tinkerland. But, um, you know, of course, we, you know, people can, can be broad and they can still co-contribute to an idea. So a thinker and tinker working on solving a problem, you're not just able to solve it because you're a tinker and you're not just able to solve part of the problem because you're a thinker. If those two people come together and solve the problem together, um, that's where we see the magic happening. And we're we're one hundred percent a creatively driven agency. Like we love creativity, we love that coming to life in uh, media strategy and creative whatever. But we don't believe people come to an, a creative agency for them to meet a whole lot of other people and then have people called creatives at the end of a food chain locked away in a drawer somewhere. We do believe that everyone's creative. It's just that you know, a bit like Animal Farm, some people are more creative than others. So the trick is to ensure that those creative people blossom but you harness the creativity of the entire agency as well and so that's what we've been able to do and in terms of the wider industry where would you um sort of place thinkabelle now and where where would you say it fits into the agency uh and who do you i guess see as if if you'd uh indulge me your as your competition well well you guys have rated us number one for creativity, number one for earned, and number one for full service. So we would probably, would it be very arrogant of us to disagree with, <laughs> with your rankings? Uh, but um, uh, yeah, it's, a, it's a tricky one. I think <laughs> I don't sit there and, and look at where we, we stack up necessarily exactly to people. We, we focus on what we're doing. Um, you know, everyone's a competition in a way. Um, but ultimately it's about who we're engaging with and the conversations we're having. And a lot of people talk about, you know, the the industry's got to always keep being pushed forward and moving forward. Um, do you think that's independent agencies that are doing that now? I hope so. I mean, we're, we're definitely yeah. trying to push it forward in our little world of Thinkabell and um, we're loving what we're doing in that space. And you see people you know, our, our team and our staff flourish in that ability to bring that different capability and different thinking together and, and know that they're driven by creativity no matter what they're doing. Yeah. And is there anything that you think is currently holding the industry back? Uh, I know that, um, you know, topics like diversity and quality are being discussed as and you know bringing fresh fresh people into the industry are things that are being discussed right now 
um, as being some of the most important issues? How would that be solved industry-wide? Uh, I, I reckon it's... A, I think advertising is an inherently conservative industry because you're dealing with so much um, money. And so... Um, so I think I think there's a natural hesitation there, and I think it's, it's kind of almost as budgets get tighter, people are willing to take more risks and do more kind of fringe, interesting kind of activities. So I think that's almost a good thing where necessity is the mother of invention. And so if, if budgets are tighter, people are willing to take more risks in order for their brand to get noticed in, in some kind of ways. I think that the the, the the lack of genuine representation within the marketing and advertising industry compared to the general population is a significant issue but it also represents a fantastic opportunity for the industry as the industry can quickly catches up to being truly representative of the rest of Australia and having a truly diverse, um, have true diversity within the, within the uh, agencies and, and client side as well. So I think that's, a, I think that's massive and having a, a really positive impact. Um, the things holding it back are probably, uh, I personally think kind of getting used to people getting hoodwinked by, uh, Mar- lots of different types of MarTech um, that promise the world um, but probably distract people from genuine brand building um, opportunities. Um, and so, and you know, so kind of people kind of really getting a bit, a bit hoodwinked from um, having to kind of get involved in what's the latest bit of MarTechy thing promise in the thing rather than kind of understanding the basics of marketing, brand building, and and that's what the game we're all in. For me, diversity has to start within each of our agencies, you know, and, and having open and honest conversations and celebrating different diversity. So the more that we can do it inside our businesses and then, you know, we are responsible for so much content that goes out into the world if we can make sure that you know diversity um, is celebrated, is recognised and respected, then I think we have a you know we should take that responsibility really seriously, um, and and leverage it. And and what I know um, at Thinkable, you have things like your over fifty fives internship. Um, what other kind of initiatives? or I guess structures have you got in place to ensure that you do keep up that um, that diverse staffing? And I think you referred to it as your uh, rounded capability spe- spectrum. Um, in addition to that, we obviously have absolute pay parity across gender. We make sure that when recruiting, we have an open um, remit about the person's background. We look for diversity in the people that we work with in, um, you know, partners and their capabilities um, through to the health. We've got Think About, do you want to talk about Think About Dig, Margie? I could talk about Think About Dig, yes. Um, under Think About Dig, which is our diversity and inclusion group, that covers everything from the initiatives internally under, you know, diversity of, of the, the people that we engage with through the people that we utilise in our communications, um, the input imprint that we have on the environment, um, as well as the way that we stop to respect and treat each other internally and our clients. So um, having some structures within that enables us to make sure that diversity is recognised and celebrated and 
where there is something unique that needs to be recognised and we're always opening up to new things, you know, having open conversation leads to much more awareness when you put it away and put it to the side, you stay in your lane. So I think for us it's about keeping our eyes and ears open. A year ago we created a new a new social cause agency called uh, Decade of Action uh, DOA, which... Um, uh, which um, is run by uh, a woman called Ebony, and Ebony, uh, part of where Thinkabella is one of Eb's clients, and so she has helped us construct this uh, grid that makes helps us look at diversity and inclusion across various inputs and, and outputs, and so she keeps us honest in that regard as well. Um, and just finally, um, I'd love to get your thoughts on. Um, industry pricing at the moment i'm just wondering you know I, i've heard well, I've, some people i've spoken to are saying that charging levels are still kind of at 2019 rates um while running costs have potentially increased in that time you know as uh capabilities scale up and things generally become more expensive do you do you think there is a, a current disparity uh, uh maggie would have more of an idea but i, I haven't I don't see that um, so much. I think you're. Um, I think it's you know. Yeah. I don't know. Not so much. Uh, Kelly, you, obviously, we've chatted about the the talent shortage in the market, and and I chatted to you last week about that. And yeah. Um. Um. Absolutely. The you know salary costs are increasing. Um. You can't automatically be increasing your clients at the same rate and. You know, who knows when the borders will open, when we'll be able to get more talent into the market. Um, so it is going to be a, a, a tougher period where we've got increased costs, um, but not necessarily passing that on to clients. And I think we just have to look for, you know, constant ways to look after talent and nurture them into the business and through their career. Well, Margie and Adams, thank you so much for coming on the Mumbrella cast today. Thanks a lot, Matt. Thanks so much for having us, Kel. And there you have it. That was Thinkabell's Margie Reed and Adam Ferrier. Stay tuned later this week for the regular Mumbrella cast, which will drop on Thursday afternoon as usual. This week in the second half of the episode, Mumbrella's Xander Wilson will be interviewing InOcean CEO Jasmine Badir. Make sure to subscribe to the Mumbrella cast on whatever platform you're listening on. And for more, make sure to head over to our website, mumbrella.com.au. I'm Callum Jaspin. Thanks for listening.